1: now okay hi Marleya. I, <laughs> I got ice in my mouth i'll wait until you take this thank, thank you i noticed that it's lovely yeah how are you i am better than you are with your cold I am, yeah, i'm sorry I
0: am allergies Welcome to the South. The allergies that like eventually just ramp up and turn into a nightmare of snot. <laughs> I live in a world of snot.
1: Oh god!
0: And I take a lot of Dayquil, and now we're drinking delicious bourbon peach lemonade. Yes, yeah, so let's made. talk about
1: this drink for a second, Courtney. This is like some serious like love went into this drink. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of lemon squeezing. There's a lot of <laughs> peach pitting. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> How is everything a euphemism? Like as soon as it, it comes, comes out of talking. our mouths. <laughs> And what Chad didn't, Box Fan Chad is here for the first time. Oh, we have lots of guests today. Yes, we have lots of guests today. We have our friend, Dr. Jenna. Dr. Jenna, (laughs) yes. We have Courtney, bartender Courtney, and Box Fan Chad. And um, yeah, and you got these peaches from the peach guy at the farmer's market, right? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Everybody should have
0: a peach guy. I feel like Moira Rose or something because every time I he's sitting next to me and every time I talk to him, I have to stop like I have to stop to look at him because I'm not facing the microphone anymore. So it's not even Moira Rose, it's like the waiting for Guffman character that (laughs) she's like, and I look this way, and then I close my eyes and then this way.
1: And I open my eyes. (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. We forgive you, cool Dayquil, quill. Okay, so a couple of things to talk about. Let's talk about our upcoming Watomka show because it's like an another week. Yes, in the future it will be a week away, right? And so that's Saturday, July thirteenth, uh, at seven p.m. Doors open at six thirty, and this is at the Watomka Depot in Watomka, Alabama. Yes, so right outside of Montgomery. If you are in Montgomery or in any of the surrounding areas, please um, come visit us and say, yes, hey. and let uh, us know you're coming. Absolutely. And also, we are talking about maybe on that Sunday afterwards doing a tour of, was it Jackson Island? Jackson Lake Island. Jackson Lake Island. <laughs> and that
0: is where the set of Big Fish still stands, sort of. Right. Um, under the weight of many goats. And oh, I
1: can't wait for the goats. It's super I fun. I mean,
0: goats. it's super fun. And and because Watumka Depot Theater is doing big fish yes! like, a few weeks a after musical, we're gonna be there. Right? Um, it seems fitting. And it's also just very it's a very strange south sort of thing. It's like yeah, this so random ass,
1: goats yes, on my storytelling
0: movie. movie yeah. Very cool storytelling movie with Ian like McGreg- giants and shit, you right? and McGregor. So yes. hot. No, wait, you, uh, Ian, Ian. I used to always you do and Ian, is it Ian? McKellen or ewan McGregor, which is really funny because they're very much not alike. Oh, right. I mean, like <laughs> Ian McKellen. Uh, yeah, I have That'd no be idea. so lovely. I love him so much. Uh-huh. Snork, sorry,
1: i'm drinking. I
0: apologize for all the snorking I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try and face away from the microphone.
1: All right, so that's happening, and any that footage mm. will probably record some stuff while we're there, and that footage is gonna go on our new Patreon patreon with a long a we um
0: (laughs) yeah we officially launched our patreon as we're recording last night so that means it is up for
1: you right now so if you go to patreon.com slash the strange south you'll come to our page we've yeah we've got 30 minutes after talk from episode 26
0: already on there live for you as a gift when you start your Patreon I talk
1: about my personal experience with the peeping Toms, and I talk about
0: a guy who hangs his dick out the window (laughs) (laughs) it's a
1: must hear spoilers I forgot about that. Yes, I think I intentionally blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> oh my so
0: goodness. yeah, you definitely, definitely want to hear this yeah, bonus episode. And, I mean, three dollars. What more, what more could you want? We're so cheap. We are. We're <laughs> so really, cheap. we're really cheap dates. Well,
1: what we did is like. I went to the I'm not gonna, I'm not going to talk about podex again, but I'm going to talk about podex again.
0: Went to <laughs> podex. Like, we're like people who go abroad like one time and we're like, "Did
1: you know when I was in Italy?" Right? right. <laughs> totally me. Uh they were like, "Don't charge anything under 5 bucks." I'm like, we're both like we are in Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, inflation. No. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> seriously.
0: I was like, Cost of you living. You guys are in
1: Los Angeles. <laughs> right? Right? So, LA, $5 equals Alabama, $3.
0: But we do figure, we can manage, we can all probably all right. scrape together $3 in a PayPal account. <laughs> for us just for us we love you we would love it
1: Stay cool oh i know i'm already a little loopy but thank you if you do sign up if you choose not to that's cool too yeah we still love you we and you can love still you. be
0: part of our fan group on facebook which right. you should
1: join there's a fan book fan fan
0: book yeah. fan, fan of the strange south the, facebook group right. and so for any meetups or anything like that for live shows you probably want to hit head on over there and, and check out you... the details
1: don't remember anything that we said just go to com. all the links all the things that we do are on there easy peasy to get to everything yes
0: all right oh my gosh i just burped into the microphone again what jenna Hmm? oh no no, we didn't say that dr jenna who is sitting here is our official first patron all right we should totally do a spotlight on her oh wait hold on yeah. Oh, it's yes. our barbell. <laughs> um but uh yeah, and oh there was one other thing too. I um we haven't done Listener Lore's lately, you may have noticed because we know you guys all love Listener Lore's and they're super cool and fun. But no one is sending us any right now and we have a new method to send Listener Lore's because I know a lot of people are nervous about getting on microphones if right. you are local. I know a lot of people uh don't particularly like writing long emails about their stories and you know, We storytelling is an oral tradition anyways. So we were thinking if you would be interested in taking a voice memo on your phone of you just talking to yourself in your car and telling the story, (laughs) it's not. Oh, my God. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. And you don't have to be perfect. You're listening to
1: us. We are far from perfect. I just
0: belched into this microphone.
1: So we will take basically anything. And um, so I guess what I'm saying is don't be self-conscious. Yes,
0: don't be self-conscious. Don't sell yourself short. Enjoy telling a story for people who are probably gonna really enjoy hearing it. Mispronounce cool. things and then we'll make you a quote. Juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. So um right? yeah, so go ahead and if you want to do a listener lore, you wanna branch out and try and like risk yourself just a tiny tad, Talking to your phone it. for a couple minutes, and yep. then you can email it to us at stories at the strange
1: Then um we Any- would love to to hear it and absolutely put you out there and you can be anonymous you don't have to use your name you don't have to like use if there are people involved you don't have to use their real name if you know or, or scared about using that or i'm, I'm sure, sure there's an
0: app that will like hide the actual timber of your voice if you want to use <laughs> you it you could be like an alien <laughs> my name <laughs> is bob <laughs> it'd be even better if you just like pretended that your voice was not like it actually is and told the entire thing in some like fake voice. right but... falsetto anyway that <laughs> so would be that's weird,
1: that and <laughs>
0: they're like a serial killer that talked in falsetto oh my god please don't be a serial killer that's not
1: the kind of lore we're looking for <laughs> oh yeah no
0: no No.
1: walk on by walk on by so i think i am first you
0: are which means i have all this time to drink (sighs) this and like sit on my day quill it's it's gonna be a mess once i I start (laughs) i am
1: envious so this is gonna be a bit this is kind of short and it's a little pieced together first of all um like on june 26th which is about a week ago there was an article about the Pascagoula 1973 UFO incident getting a historical marker down in Pascagoula. Mm-hmm. Where and you it shared happened. it in the fan group. I right. saw that. Yeah. I share it. If you're part of the fan group, you saw the article I posted. If not, join the fan group. You can see the article. Uh, I did the Pascagoula 73 UFO abduction in episode 12, I believe. And the marker, the reason they gave it a historical marker is because it's one of the best documented uh, cases about alien abduction. And I thought, well, we haven't done an alien abduction thing in a while. Uh, Parker was the young guy that got abducted, Mm -hmm. um, one of the two fishing guys that got abducted. And he was there. He's been like avoiding the media for the past couple of decades. But he was there for the dedication Hickson, who was the older gentleman, he died like back in 2011. And so maybe about three months ago, and we're talking about listener lures, and I think we'll record this after this podcast, we have um, somebody write in named Lori, and she sent in her encounter with a UFO in Greenville, Mississippi, and sent us actual video and so we are going to I want to break down that video and pull it into like a uh, premiere and like really kind of see if I can get better details cuz I saw it last night. I watched it last night.
0: I was like I actually didn't realize it had come through cuz I know we had a little bit of trouble going back and forth like it originally wouldn't send right. And all no, this, so I haven't I had seen to, it. yet. Yeah, I
1: had to convert it. Uh but I saw it last night and so I think we'll do her listener Laura after this episode. Awesome. And um and she did great. Like, she she wrote, like, all the things that happened and sent the video. And we will post that coming up soon. Cool. So, I'm very so... I'm excited about that. So, I was, like, thinking about, you know, UFOs and thinking about maybe the UFOs back in the day. Like, way earlier. Like, first settlement of the Americas or United oh. States kind of thing. Okay. So, this is not southern but it's really it's a it's very similar to what happened for the pascagoula abduction okay so let's see this is america's first ufo sighting in march 1st 1639 john Winthrop, who was the governor of the massachusetts bay colony and this is from a, a history channel Uh, Article And I think they even covered this on the History Channel, which I got to find. Anyway, he was like writing down all the accounts that, you know, some of his people have been talking about. And things, one of the things that happened recently that all the English immigrants were like in a tizzy about was that uh, James Everell, who was described as a sober and discreet man, was out on a (laughs) rowboat with two other men. Um, oh my and, gosh, this
0: does sound just like Pascagoula
1: already. Right, <laughs> But listen, they, they were um, on the Muddy River, which uh, flowed through like a swamp land. It emptied into the tidal basin of Charles River. So, you know, we're thinking about, you know, swamp, 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 river, you know, flowing through, going out. Mm-hmm. And so they were on this river and they see a light in the sky. And it's when it's like It moved around, but when it stood still, it flamed up. Hmm. And they said it was about three yards square when it would flame up, (laughs) ever (laughs) when it ran. And it's so interesting because you hear, like, people talking about UFOs nowadays and the language that they use and then the different language because of the things that they related to back in the day, right? So they said when it ran around uh, or when it contracted, it was in the figure of a swine so <laughs> okay swine being pig yeah. i guess right so i guess it went more of the kind of a cylinder cylindrical oval shape weird uh when it ran around and then when it was still it would flame up in this like box like shape i'm trying to think of how
0: big e- three yards square would be like how one, one swine large, yeah, <laughs> no, one swine
1: large, right? Uh, and so this happened for like two or three hours, um, and the boatmen, you know, sitting there seeing this really mysterious light.
0: Oh, that and, that like already gets rid of my theory, which was that it was actually just a flaming pig.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it would like it would go like really quick and fast, like super fast, but it'd go back and forth between them and the villain of Charlestown which is about two miles away. So for like two hours, they are watching this thing dance around, go from them to the city and them again. And other people saw it. Um, in fact, they say a diverse um, collection of credible people saw the same light that night. And then the thing just kind of faded away and went away. Huh. However, when it faded away, the three guys in the boat were stunned to find themselves one mile upstream and not remembering how they got there.
0: Upstream, like the opposite way of the way the the river flows.
1: Right. So they were saying the only way that they could have gone that way without much effort and remembering it would be if, like, some weird sinkhole would have opened up right and the river river flows backwards backwards, or like a really strange or strong wind happening which nobody like recounted happening uh so they absolutely had no memory of going against the tide of being in that place while watching this light go back and forth and you know if that happened today it obviously would be interpreted as an abduction Mm -hmm. um And some have, like, speculated, well, it was probably, like, that uh, marsh gas that we talked about, like, the willow, the wisp in the werewolf, the... uh, The Rougarou. No, not the Rougarou, which was the one, the, um, oh, the Indian one that I had a hard time pronouncing. Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: Yes. Yes. So, that one, the anorexic werewolf, right? I almost said ayahuasca, and that's totally
1: not even (laughs) remotely what we're talking about. Actually, maybe it is. (laughs) I, I... totally would have like you know got on with with that um so i read that and i was like that's really that's strange and it's very similar to the pascagoula ufo yeah and i'm like i wonder if there's any other like early american ufo sightings and then i ran across this and this is really my tale um this is thomas jefferson -uh. and the louisiana ufo
0: what I'm already so excited about this. It
1: is. Um, So when Thomas Jefferson was VP, he was also um, a member of this society called, let me look at the American Philosophical Society. But let's talk about... Who he was friends with. He happened to become friends with this man named William Dunbar, who was a 50-year-old plantation owner living in Natchez. So, Natchez is in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. However, this does um, happen in Louisiana because Dunbar, on April 5th... um, 1800 was over in Louisiana. He was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Baton Rouge at that time was just a French fort because they were going like from French to Spanish, then back to French rule mm-hmm. um, in that area. And so it was French again. And uh, um, there was like maybe fewer than 2,000 people living in Baton Rouge at that time. And this was half a century before the town actually became the state capital of Louisiana. And about 70 years before uh, Louisiana State University uh, relocated there from Pineville. Mm. So interesting facts. Has nothing to do with our story. (laughs) Context. Context. Right. Context. Uh, Dunbar, who is a native of Scotland... And I didn't look this up, I meant to look this up. Is a member of an unfortunately named house called House of Doofus. No, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, we need to find out what House of Doofus is. Maybe we'll, you know, look that up. Like D O O or D U F
0: F U S. D U F F U S. Yeah. Doofus.
1: House of doofus. And he had met Thomas Jefferson the year before. And Thomas Jefferson actually was like an amateur astronomer. He was, at the time, serving as VP under John Adams' presidency and was pen pals with King George. Oh. So also, like I said, during this time, he was president of the American Philosophical Society, which basically means when people would tell him stuff, he would tell the society and they would write it up in a newsletter. And it was basically anything, any kind of gossip, any kind of like weird stories, you know, Hmm. they would publish it. And this is how we know about this UFO encounter. If it was a UFO encounter. So, the description of a singular phenomenon seen in Baton Rouge by William Dunbar Esquire, communicated by Thomas Jefferson, President APS. I love this. This is how. (laughs) And this is going to be some (laughs) old-fashioned language that I'm going to fuck up. So, get (laughs) ready. Let's go. Let's do this. So, a phenomenon was seen to pass baton rouge on the night of the 5th april 1800 of which the following is the best description i have been able to obtain well that was just regular fucking wording sorry (laughs) so here's the description it was first seen in the southwest and moved so rapidly past over the heads of the spectators as to disappear into the northeast in about a quarter of a minute it appeared to be the size of a large house Whoa. 70 or 80 feet long and of a form nearly resembling figure f in plate four what well the thing is when they published this they published drawings he, they published his drawings but oh. the drawings have been lost so oh, nobody's no! been able to find the drawings i want to know i know we want to know <laughs> uh, it appears to be about 200 yards above the surface of the earth wholly luminous but not admitting sparks of a color resembling the sun near the horizon in the cold, frosty evening, which may be (laughs) called a crimson red. Oh, poetic. Oh, my
0: gosh. Well, I guess he
1: did make up for us not being able to see the diagrams then. When passing right overhead of the spectators, the light on the surface of the earth was little short of the effects of sunbeams. Although at the same time, looking another way, the stars were visible, which appears to be a confirmation of the opinion formed of its moderate elevation. In passing, a considerable degree of heat was felt, but no electric sensation. Immediately after it disappeared in the northeast, a violent rush noise was heard as if the phenomenon was bearing down the forest before it. Whoa. And in a few seconds, a tremendous crash was heard, similar to that, of the largest piece of ordnance, causing a very sensible earthquake. They have some run-on sentences. <laughs> so it passed overhead, it was hot, it was huge, and then it crashed. So not only is this maybe the first or one of the only documented UFO sightings, but a UFO crash.
0: Oh, my God. I'm sitting here thinking, like, Doctor Who is really missing an opportunity if they haven't tried this one.
1: To go back in time. <laughs> to go back
0: in time and, like, recognize that Thomas Jefferson started the first Area 50.
1: <laughs> right? So, I have been informed that search has been made in the place where the burning body fell and at that considerable portion of the surface of the earth was found broken up and every vegetable body burnt or greatly scorched. I have not yet received answers to a number of queries I have set on, which may perhaps bring to more light, more particulars. So that was end of what he wrote for this newsletter. Oh, so he
0: didn't talk about what he felt. Like he said
1: that the ground was was all
0: scorched up, but that he didn't talk about finding anything. This
1: was Dunbar's account to Thomas Jefferson. Right, right. Um, So they did um, go over there and um, look at it, but I have no more description of it. But since then, Thomas Jefferson and William Dunbar, Dunbar, you know, pretty much became his favorite go-to person at that time. And he hired Dunbar and this other guy named George Hunter to lead an expedition to trace the uh, Arkansas and Red Rivers to their source. So he's like, you know, keep your eyes open. Tell me if anything happens. Go, you know, do some, you know, Lewis and Clark adventure style, Mm -hmm. you know, exploration and so they did this in 1804 however they met up with some extremely violent indian or native americans i'm sorry native americans and that kind of like nixed their plans Mm. and the way that they said that uh jefferson was talking this up that it was like as big as you know the lewis and clark expedition Mm. but it ended up not being so much that and um they ended up like doing another river and it wasn't that very exciting and there was no more ufos so there was no more talk about this at all uh after the explosion so i started i was like well this sounds like a comment i mean the way that our meteor it smells like a little meteorite or something that they saw and i went looking around for it and somebody you know was somebody had written a paper on this and had talked about like as per the description and if this is actually a meteorite, you know, or is it viable that it could be a meteorite? Mm. And what they said was it was not a meteorite. Because he said it wasn't
0: on fire, right? It was emitting heat, but it had no spark. So it wasn't you would think a meteorite would have been on fire.
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't so know. Uh, I'll go back over that passage again. It said the object of that size entering the Earth's atmosphere at a speed typical of objects falling to earth from space would probably have left a march a much larger trace of itself and would most likely have killed the observer and anyone else near the fall yeah because it was a house size and they thing, gave right? several yeah they gave several um you know examples there there's a uh, crater like in Arizona or something that's that the object that landed there was twice the size what they're describing, and it like decimated like acres and acres, mm. you know, uh, and became this huge crater. And they were like, even if half that size, it would have taken everybody who saw it out. So, this is the only account that we have back during that day in Louisiana of an unidentified flying object oh my that God. crashed. And I would like to know, why did they not go... Were they scared of it? I mean, I would be... Inquiring minds want to know. I would be... But mm-hmm. I don't know if
0: they're philosophers or scientists, do you would think that they would have been all like right up in it? They you know? totally
1: would. That's, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's Is why was Is this you... the first government cover-up? Could...
0: Be. <gasps> oh <laughs> that's what I'm God, saying. Marlai! I think Thomas Jefferson <gasps> started a secret society yes! <laughs> that knew all about the UFOs and it's been here since the 1800s. Yes. That's what I think. Solved. Yes.
1: Case closed. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> that's really cool. I've never heard anything like that. I didn't either. I,
1: you know, it was one of those scrolling, it's like I know there's something out there. And then I saw that on my little Google feed. And I was like, what?
0: I love that. I know there's something the truth is out the there. The truth, the is truth is out, out there. there.
1: <laughs> so that's Thomas Jefferson and UFOs.
0: That's amazing. I love it. Oh
1: my God, we get claps now. I oh I like people. Have an audience. Yes. all right. Let's take a break. Take we'll a come break. Back. Okay. Mm. And we're back
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got a mouthful of potato chips about to come we're gonna do the asmr thing is that what that is asmr that is amsr it's like a something something M. yes it's like the Okay. So we accidentally went down a, like down a a rabbit hole with that. And I can't remember, I found something on Instagram because I have a veggies hashtag that I follow because I realized that if I'm on Instagram following vegetables, then (laughs) I constantly (laughs) scroll through and see things I should be appreciating rather than like baked goods and things that I shouldn't be. So, um, so it just, it was just a woman, but you couldn't see her face. And she was just loudly eating like an entire like table full of food. And I was like, oh my God. So I sent it to Courtney. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, look at this. But then since I clicked on that one, now I've started getting more. And one of them was, okay, now tell me this isn't creepy to you because it, this, this phenomenon is also a fetish phenomenon. It's not just a relaxing thing. It's like, oh, it's no. very fetishist. There was like I swear to god like a 5-year-old kid dressed in a snow white costume with headphones on eating and it was tagged ASMR ARM what you know whatever the acronym is and I was like um that's creepy that's like the that's line. really kind of That's gross. like pedophile version It is. I was like no this is not okay. Mm, yeah. So yes there's uh, joy 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 of the internet. Mm. And whatever that Korean word was of people oh that
1: eat God. on videos,
0: yeah. Oh, there, there was a there muck, was a
1: muk block, muk,
0: yeah,
1: something. There was also <laughs> something recently. That I remember watching in photo class where all this is going to come out wrong,
0: <laughs> and we Yay! should probably
1: we should probably start it after I say this. Mm. But it was basically mouth fisting. <laughs>
0: it was like mouth fisting
1: food into their like and it's a thing. Ew. It it is a thing. It's like people shoving things with their fist into their mouth. Like, yeah. Ew. It was really weird. I'm like, why are we watching this? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) It was very awkward. (laughs) I try really hard to say, ew, David. (laughs) Um
0: wow. Well now that we've got that out of the way. <laughs> go ahead all right well this has nothing to do with eating noises or mouthfisting <laughs> um <laughs> that's gonna come up again i guarantee <laughs> yeah we did it with what with true crime week last week i was like let's do spooky weirdness for a couple weeks and just kind of chill out on right? the like horrible people angle so um that's what I did. I've actually had this on my on my radar for a really long time. And it is purportedly this was a quote from Brent Swanser, who wrote an article about it on the mysterious universe. One of the most widely witnessed, well documented hauntings and the most intense the world has ever seen.
1: Ooh. In- Which
0: I don't believe for a second. Oh well. Because I think Enfield might have like actually eclipsed this in later years. Mm. But at, um, the <clears throat> at the time, at the time, I would believe it at the time. So we're both in like the weirdness of the 1800s oh. right now, which is so we accidentally themed up again. Yay. Theme it up. Theme it up. Um, this is the story of the Surrency haunting. Um, so there's a man named AP Surrency, Alan Surrency, his wife, whose name I guess was, I think it's wealthier is her name. I don't hmm. know how you would say that in georgia it's w-e-l-t-h-i-e-r if you have hints uh, let us no. know
1: yeah was that like her parents being optimistic i don't know it could be it could
0: be just like be wealthier, be wealthier than we are um and their are eight children they lived um in an eight-room two-story house that was along the macon and brunswick railroad line in cerncy georgia which is about 125 miles southeast of macon um <clears throat> So the trains at the time didn't run on coal, they ran on wood, and Surrency had made his name supplying wood fuel to the railroads um, and, and cross ties. So he had a farm, he had a large acreage, you know, he had his own sawmill, so he would do all this, and this is how he, you know, made his living. Um, there was an article that was originally published in the newspaper, The Telegraph and Messenger, that called Mr. Sorency a gentleman of most excellent character in his community, one of the leading men in his county a quiet and good citizen who has represented his county in general assembly of the state so he wasn't just like a prankster like some shithead he was it's the same way that they do in like the 70s articles it's like i promise this wasn't a meth head like
1: this we
0: have to speak for the credibility of our witnesses right or
1: at least you know wealthy land owner has money maybe he'll give us some money if we talk nice about him
0: that's possible also good call So, um, the Surrency house, um, apparently it doubled as like an inn and a restaurant for the railroad workers and everything that came by. And the house was really the entire town because there were, there were like a couple businesses in Surrency, but it was named after him because his, that was the only residence in Surrency. So the house was Surrency. Okay. So everybody knew him, um, and everybody knew the house because it was a gathering point. So on October 17th, 1872, A.P. Cerency was coming home from a business trip to Macon. Um, He was coming home by train. It was about 9 p.m. when he got home. And when he got back to the train station and back towards his house, he found his family and some of his neighbors already at the house all worked up, like to the point where he couldn't understand. Like people are talking over each other and people are hugging him and he doesn't know what's happened. Something's gone wrong. Um, so he steps inside for a second just to put his bag down. He's bought like bolts and nuts and, you know, nails and things like that hardware while he was away. And when he steps back out on the porch to talk to them again, the bolts and nails and everything that was in his bag showered down on his head and clattered at his feet. And, um, so he's like, okay, clearly something very strange has happened at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not long before he sees for himself what the rest of the family has been talking about as he's been walking up to the house he goes inside for more than a few minutes and all of a sudden glasses crockery um everything that's on the tables start sliding off the tables on smashing on the floor um <clears throat> books are falling off shelves random shit all over the house is falling everywhere like irons food pans water buckets sticks of bricks are falling on the floor the bricks are a huge deal um, inside the house everywhere and it'll happen every couple of minutes and then there'll be like a few, a few breaks. And so, you know, this has been happening for days before he's arrived home. And at first, you know, you're thinking, okay, so earthquake. All right. That's what I was thinking. Thinking there's like a series of seismic events that are happening. All right. Um, but it just keeps on happening. Like it doesn't end. And for it is happening, like I said, every few minutes and things falling off shelves is not the only part of it. So, um, it gets weirder really, really quickly. Um, Things aren't just falling off shelves. They're falling out of the air in rooms they shouldn't be in. So like basins and Portals? vases and decorations that are in the bedrooms are falling on the floor from straight above in the living room.
1: What? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Continue. And, and
0: crashing like from it appears to be basically from thin air on people's heads in other rooms. Right. Um, some are launching themselves like projectiles. There was a story of like a basin that was under um, wealthier's bed that just like flew out from under the bed and smashed in the middle of the floor. Oh wow! And so it's like the
1: like the the physics of it is kind of hard to. To, to work out to, right, to imagine. because it's not just gravity pulling things down it's no. like rips in time space portals <laughs> really, that's, right, portals, right? <laughs>
0: yes exactly it's wormholes um the serency's daughter clementine this is one of the stories that a lot of people related was walking up her front path or someone said skipping up her front steps when a rain of hot bricks fell out of the sky onto her head oh my god um what and the, the hell? hot bricks thing this is what i had to look this up so all of these newspaper articles on it and everything talk about brick bats. And I was like, what the hell is a brick bat? Like, this is just another thing. I don't know. Like and iron is another one I had to look up, which is like the fireplace grate that like the, the bracket that holds the wood in place in the fireplace. Oh, That's called an and iron. I had okay. to learn that vocabulary. Yeah. Learning things. Brick bats are basically just the word for broken pieces of brick that someone uses as a weapon. <laughs> so they're like projectile bricks as they call brick bats. Um, and uh but they were hot. And the ones I was like referencing they they were falling in the house too and they were always warm or hot. Holy crap. And they're just raining How on people. How come we don't know
1: anything about this? I don't
0: know. It's weird, right? It's weird. So um Mrs. Surrency related like sitting alone in her room sewing. This is they they think this might have been like the first instance of anything weird happening. Um, and her needlework jerks out of her hands and the needle and scissors and spools start to like circle and dance in the air, like a choreographed thing.
1: Oh my God.
0: Um, one day there was a visit and, and this is when they talk about it being one of the most well-documented he did, he wrote into newspapers. So there were and and they had, like I said, it was like a, a gathering point. So there were neighbors there constantly. Like, seeing, along with the eight members of the, like, the, the ten members of the family, the things that are going on. And um, so there was a minister who was visiting one day. This is, again, near the beginning. And a few of the Serency sons were sitting in a living room talking to him. And a, a blazing log flew out of the fireplace across the room. And the andiron, and the great, started dancing a jig in the hearth.
1: Oh, my
0: gosh. <clears throat> there was a story of a pair of boots that started wandering around the house uh, by themselves.
1: Nope. I'm out um i they think were... i've been okay with everything else but boots walking around i'm out i know I, seriously I was, oh my god
0: when i was a kid i was terrified of the story of the pants with nobody inside them do you remember that oh dr seuss god. story because there was no, a record where somebody god. read the story and the voice of the pants was like the most horrifying thing i had yeah. ever heard so i lived in fear of the cover of that record i swear to god oh, i was such the a terrified pants child talked Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, you need to read The Pants with Nobody Inside Them. Now I appreciate it. I force myself to face my fears. Mm -hmm. Sits right next to Peter and the Wolf in my record collection. Oh, Um, But, uh, but so, like, and it's so funny because there were also, like, okay, footsteps, noises, banging, disembodied voices, laughter, that kind of stuff in the house. And it's, like, at that point, that sounds totally run-of-the-mill compared to all this other shit, right? Like, right? those are, reg- oh, that's just a regular haunting, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. This other stuff. This is next level. Um, but it loved, so it, like, the kitchen and the dining area was the place that it loved the most to harass everybody and maybe that's because that's where they got together like they would try and sit down for meals it smashed everything they owned so all their dishware crockery china and at first ap would go back in and he would he would buy new things and replace what had fallen but he got so tired of everything breaking that they just ended up with tin plates and tin cups and bowls because he was so fucking sick of replacing everything he owned so that the family could eat
1: Seriously, like somewhere else, um,
0: and it would toss even the tin bowls if they didn't hold on to them while they were eating. It would toss them no, in the yard. Why are they? What are they doing? They're staying at their house, and they, um, they reported that like it would try and take their silverware from them. Like they would sit down at the table, and it would bend their it would bend their eating utensils in their hands if they wouldn't let them go. So, like, it wouldn't let the cook cook. They had a cook named Sal tried to make coffee, stole the coffee pot, and tossed it across the room. Those are fighting words right there. Right. Well, here's the real fighting thing, okay? So they were cooking biscuits in the oven one day, and the biscuits levitated out of the oven and into the yard. It was like, fuck (laughs) with my biscuits, man. Like, don't. It overturned, like, full pots and pans of food on the stove. So they ended up eating cheese and crackers for every meal, because they couldn't eat anything else because they couldn't cook anything. So cheese and crackers on tin plates. That's some stubborn people. Seriously. But um, mirrors, glass objects would randomly explode. Um, and this is one of my, of course, one of my favorite tellings of this, though. I read a lot of, I read the newspaper articles and there are legitimately like 1872 newspaper articles. Um Catherine Tucker Wyndham wrote about it, though, in in her book, Jeffrey introduces 13 more Southern ghosts. And, you know, if you've listened for a while, you know how like I adore her. But um she says that the ghost broke all the window panes in the house or the entity broke all the window panes and the family like would wait. And sometimes all the activity would kind of die down and they would think, OK, maybe we're home free now. And they would replace the window panes and then it broke them all again. As soon as they were back, it was like, it was waiting for them to get comfortable so it could break everything again. Mm. And, um, they went through the cycle a couple of times. And finally AP was just like, okay, summertime, we leave them open. Winter time. We cover them with oil cloth to keep the cold out. They couldn't replace their windows. And, um, Clementine, the daughter seemed to be the favorite of the entity because it would like in the middle of the night, it would pull her bed covers off. It would pull her hair. It would like physically harass her. Um, she, she reported one time being actually like lifted out of her bed, physically lifted. Um, <clears throat> God, it's, it's crazy. What people, I just, I don't understand. That's always, I mean, every time we talk about houses that are haunted, it's right? like, why do you stay? Why do you stay? And we talked about it with Rockford, especially right. like the psychology of it is like, you kind of, Part of you thinks you're crazy. You're mm-hmm. going to figure out a way that it's going to get fixed. It's just a scientific phenomenon, and you're going to wait it out. You know, right. it's like it's your house, right? So you know, where else are you going to go? Right? And they were the only house in town.
1: You know, yeah, where his where his like
0: livelihood was. So. Um, so as soon as all this starts happening, people start hearing about it, um, even before Serency arrived home on that first trip in 72. So before long, the rail lines are even making special trips to bring crowds of people like 70 and 80 people at a time to the house to see what's going Is on. Is he charging? no oh, okay one of the newspaper articles specifically said that they had seen like over a weekend that they spent there like 300 people eat at his table and he didn't take money from any anybody
1: oh my god but so, they
0: paid for their food right i wondered about that but he did say he didn't take money from anybody so it makes me wonder i don't know but and i'm also like how did they eat at his table when all i could eat was cheese and crackers but this may have been at the beginning too okay. um so and and it is interesting i will have to like the skeptic in me points out that this did happen late October right before Halloween
1: mm. and
0: did bring crowds of people to the house and was reported in newspapers. So I'm like, there could be some sort of like Marketing circus here. Boy. Like, but honestly, it like the coverage is remarkably well controlled if that's the case, because it, and if you have other people like claiming the same thing, yes, yeah. then, you know. well, and they were like, all these people did come and All these people saw things. Right. So, you know, it's, it's really weird. Um, so yeah, like I said, he sent a letter to the local and regional newspapers and they sent investigator investigative reporters down to spend like a couple of days at his place, different newspapers did. One of them talked about a moment when, um, bricks and wood were randomly falling around the house. We know, we know that happens. Um, an AP Cerency asked a servant to take four bottles of kerosene out of the house and into the yard. And the second he put the first bottle down, It flew back and dropped in the middle of the room again from the ceiling. Not, not like someone had tossed it, but like it dropped straight down from the ceiling and Mm. splashed kerosene all over the room. Mm. And that was recorded by multiple people. The same reporter said that he saw the hands of the family clock spinning at the rate of five hours a minute. And, um, he was a watchmaker actually by originally by trade and so he stopped the clock to look at it and there was nothing wrong with it and the other but they were like okay so maybe it's a magnetic phenomenon but then the other people who had watches pocket watches they were fine so right. that was another odd thing um and then he also said and he's the only one that i found that said this they started finding little piles of sugar on the floor in the kitchen and he said of a type that the family had never used or seen before i don't know what kind of sugar it would have been but he said there were also like like pins in one of the piles of sugar Ew. and needles. Ew. So, um, but two of my favorite stories from the um the newspaper were from a Make an Enterprise article from 1872. And the subheads were lively Georgia spooks, they knock things about promiscuously, a ghostly porker puts in an appearance. <laughs> what so there was so i'm just going to read you the stories the way that the, the newspaper put them because this was a from from the reporter this so is first person from him yesterday while six or eight men and women were sitting in the front parlor room a hog deliberately walked in at the door and without showing the least signs of trepidation advanced to the center of the room everyone remained motionless conversation ceased all eyes were turned on the strange visitor the hog stood for a moment and then made a short circle in the middle of the floor and after doing so walked into an adjoining room. Everyone followed it. Mm-hmm. And like my favorite part about this <laughs> is picturing all these people like staring like wide-eyed at a pig and following it around the house. Right? Like... <laughs> it's devil but, pig. Uh... <laughs> but um while some people were in the room and some were in the doorway, all intently watching it, it instantly vanished like an apparition, leaving oh my God. its audience stupefied. So did it catch
1: on fire I know, and then go shooting right? down the it's roof? it's the through I know. <laughs> Jenna's like, yes,
0: look, look, it's a common thing. Um, so yeah, so the the disappearing hog is like the one. And the other one is, among numerous visitors yesterday was an old sea captain by the name of Burns, who has been around the world three or four times and was dester- determined to unravel the mystery or at least some portion of it. So getting into the house, he was told of the smoothing iron tricks. So there were like um, clothes irons had been like launching away, like had been ended up hot and launching at people. So there were weird things that the irons were doing. Um, And he selected that as his particular object to watch. So he sat down before it and he watched it for a long time without seeing it move. (laughs) And getting dry, he longed for a bottle of whiskey, Mm -hmm. which he knew Mr. Cerency kept in an adjoining room. No sooner had he thought of this than the bottle fell at his side. He picked it up and helped himself, set it down, and continued to eye the iron. It did not move, but the bottle left as mysteriously as it had
1: appeared. Oh,
0: my God. So, and those sound tongue-in-cheek to me. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't, you know. But after five years, the family actually moved away, hoping to escape this. Five years. Wow. Um, but the haunting went with them when they moved.
1: Oh. And
0: so they figured they might as well just live where they worked. Right. At the Sur- so they moved back to Cerency. Sur- and um the hunting did not stop until 1877 when A. P. Serency died.
1: Mm. This is this is interesting. I have thoughts on that you'll share after i will
0: share afterwards the house isn't there anymore if you want to okay. go to corency georgia you can there's i don't think there's probably much there but the house burned in 1925 so you right. can't investigate the house there i did look in a little bit into like okay the why does this happen mm-hmm. thing and um there several people pointed out this is a poltergeist there was no apparition you know if we're talking about a spiritual phenomenon it's a psychic phenomenon of a poltergeist, which often are caused by agents like psychic agents that often don't even know what they're doing. And often psychic agents of poltergeists are um, women at the age of puberty. And the family did have eight children between the ages of three and 21. And Clementine was a main victim of this thing. So they were like, "Okay, well, maybe Clementine was an unintentional poltergeist agent um, projecting like a psychic energy that she wasn't aware she had. Um, so if you, if you're in for that kind of thing, maybe that's a solution. I did find one other thing, um, that was citing a geological professor named Larry Brown, who, um, specializes in deep seismic exploration. And he was part of a team that discovered what may be a reservoir of some sort of fluid may or may not be water nine miles beneath a pine forest in Sorense. And at first I thought this was one of those things that like somebody just like you know blew out their ass but i actually looked the guy up and he does have research reports on this i don't understand them at all mm-hmm. so if you have any background in geological you know seismic deep seismic exploration you can follow i've got i'll, I'll provide the link to some of it but um they call it the serency bright spot i guess because of how it shows up on um like oh, monitors wow. and readings Um, And Dr. Brown describes the reservoir as about two miles in diameter, apparently shaped like a contact lens. He states, we don't have a good idea of what it's composed of. If it's water, it would upset a lot of scientific theories, as it is theoretically impossible for water or other fluids to exist at that great depth due to the intense heat and pressure. So there may be some strange geological something.
1: Did it crash there in like 17 or whatever? Right? I know. In
0: 1800, (laughs) did it suddenly appear and sink into the ground? But um. Yeah, so nobody knows why, and wow. if things if things were actually as everybody who talked about it described them, it seems like it would be a phenomenon that can't really be explained by anything that we understand right, right now. So
1: understand, wow,
0: yeah.
1: why is there not a movie about this?
0: There may be. I don't know. I had oh. never heard of it before though, and Me I've kept either. this one on the back burner for a long time. So I've looked I could around. Could see it now,
1: like kind of kind of the aesthetic of the witch which is like one of my favorite movies
0: i thought of the bell witch a lot while i was specifically because of the haunting of mr Surrency mm-hmm. like and the following of the family around right. like that was one of the things like something is after you specifically for whatever reason and jenna was like what did he do like what right. has he done <laughs> but right um
1: so mm-hmm. yeah that's the story of wow. the Surrency haunting i'm gonna have to look more into that that is very interesting So, yeah, I guess that's
0: uh, I guess that's us for the week. That is us for the week. We're going to continue on and record our bonus episode with lots of crunching and, you know, mouth sounds.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's us. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So, Moralea, you're all the time talking about this Goat House bar in Montgomery that you went to and had this fantastic time. I so know, right? tell me about it.
0: So the Goat House Beer Garden is where I like to go when I'm in Montgomery because I could like, I, I go, I see a show, I visit Jackson Island where the Big Fish set is, or I protest stupid fucking decisions of our government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Goat House is the place where I like to go while I'm doing it.
1: Well, that's awesome. I've also heard that the Goat House, highlights, local artists, singers Songwriters, makers, chefs Brewers and entrepreneurs Which, that's us, right? It's We're true. all those Things, Yeah. <laughs> um, and they intentionally Support only original content Because they truly believe that Communities begin, grow and Sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs Thrive, what a fantastic idea It is a fantastic idea,
0: it's a great Atmosphere, it's great company, it's a lot of fun And it's less than 10 minutes from Hank Williams Grave, which is haunted So oh. the next time you go to say hey to old Hank <laughs> go stop by the goat house the beer garden amazing yep follow us on facebook at the strange south instagram at the strange south podcast or on twitter at strange south pod and check out our website thestrangesouth.com and for extra fun and goodies join our facebook fan group fans of the strange south podcast
1: that's your drink face. <laughs> Here's my cheese face <laughs>
0: all right so mm-hmm. Jackson Lake Island blah here come the day quill oh no Yay! I'm counting They're on you Marlea. Still. you can't day quill out on me <laughs> I'm going second aren't mm-hmm. I oh shit <laughs> aren't I second Are this week I think so. so we need a Stephen ooh really uh, yeah, does it have oh years old, so. probably surely it's haunted Surely. Oh,
1: how cool would that be very that's amazing maybe it's yeah I'd be scared and be like okay. fuck this podcast I'm not doing it anymore <laughs> the Baba Duke. bring that shit home mm. ooh okay we're not
0: doing that right now
1: to no. <laughs> so my mind I'm so glad we reached that no. level <laughs> no <laughs>